You are now tuning into The Divide. Catch professional sports news, NBA, MLB, and NFL at 90.3 with DJ Indigo and DJ Coltrane. Live at East Carlsberg University. You are now rocking with the best 90.3 West FM. You hear the clock ticking, Tick-tock. you about to stop living, Tick-tock. I want you to remember me, Tick-tock. but the day don't have no memory, I'm coming, nobody can stop me, Ain't nobody can hold me, Ain't nobody can control me, I'm coming, I'm here to do my thing, I'm here to bring the pain, Ain't I'm never ever gonna change, I'm coming, nobody can stop me, nobody can hold me, nobody can control me, I'm coming, Ain't I'm here to do my thing, I'm here to bring the pain, I'm never ever gonna change Like the Tropicana, I got the juice, off of the leash, they let the dog loose Don't make me call up the crew, now they getting scared, wanna call up a truce I'm the one like Neil, cocky like Teal, nobody can go over like I'm shooting the freak though This is illegal, my flow is legal, and it's me, it will never be a sequel See I'm fly like a pelican and while I'm here, yeah, I'm gonna represent. If you're sick, then I'll be your medicine. And you already know who I'm better than. No doubt, yep, I'm a veteran. And when done, you gon' think you got ran over by elephants. Since I came, ain't been the same like ever since. And that talking, yeah, it better end. I'm coming. Nobody can stop me. Nobody can hold me. Nobody can control me. I'm coming. I'm here to do my thing. I'm here to bring the pain. I'm never, ever gonna change. I'm coming. Nobody can stop me, nobody can hold me, nobody can control me I'm coming, I'm here to do my thing, I'm here to bring the pain I'm never ever gonna change This is my world, my way, my life And if I gotta do it, I gotta do it right So everything I want, go ahead and give me that The girl with me, just know that you ain't giving back Yeah, she want a bad boy And I'm all about my cash, boy She be all up in the jag, boy I know that make you mad, boy But don't make me beat you Go there, your career's like a treadmill You're running, but you ain't going nowhere Me, on the other hand I can blow a hundred stacks And bounce back rubber band Thirty carats here, a hundred on the other hand I do me, I don't worry about another man I'm way past them, got them playing catch up And I'll be right there if you ever mess up Nobody can stop me, nobody can hold me Nobody can control me I'm coming I'm here to do my thing, I'm here to bring the pain, I'm never ever gonna change I'm coming Nobody can stop me, nobody can hold me, nobody can control me I'm coming I'm here to do my thing, I'm here to bring the pain, I'm never ever gonna change No, yeah, you don't want no problem, you don't want no drama They don't want none, you know how it is You know what we do, Jim on the track Shot on the music, yeah. One, two. You hear the clock ticking. Tick-tock. You about to stop living. Tick-tock. I want you to remember me. Tick-tock. But the day don't have no memory. One, two. What's going on, everyone? This is DJ Coltrane here with the first episode of The Divide for the spring 2021 semester. I hope everyone had or is having a great first week of classes. A lot's going on in the sports world. The divisional round of the playoffs occurred in the NFL, and the conference championships are set. 
The NBA season is in full swing, and the leagues were was shaken up by the James Harden train. Time permitting, I may even touch on some baseball updates. The opinions heard on the divide do not reflect the opinions of 90.3 WESS or East Strasburg University. Let's dive in, and we'll be right back with the NBA updates after this intro song. All right, and we're back on The Divide on 90.3 WESS, East Strasburg University, East Strasburg, Pennsylvania. I'm one of the co-hosts, DJ Coltrane. Unfortunately, my other co-host, DJ Indigo, cannot be here today, so I'm just going to spearhead the show myself. So we're going to start with the NBA, and rightfully so, I think the first topic that needs to be discussed is that blockbuster trade that went down between the Houston Rockets the Brooklyn Nets, the Indiana Pacers, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're talking about the James Harden trade here. And we'll start with what the Rockets got from this trade. I, I'm actually looking at this list, and it's very big. So what they got, they got Victor Oladipo from the Pacers, which I think is great, but the downside to that is you could say he's on an expiring contract. He's going to be a free agent after this season, so and he's going to look for a payday. I, I'm almost certain he's going to want money to be a guy somewhere so the Rockets may have very a very slim chance of keeping him but we'll see how it works out I mean they aren't doing too great so far but so they also got Dante Exum from the Cavs and they got Rod Rodion's Crooks from the Nets they also got a 2021 pick swap with the Nets and a first round pick from the Bucks in 2022 
and a 2022 first round pick from the Nets, a 2023 pick swap with the Nets, and a 2024 first round pick from the Nets. They also got a 2025 pick swap with the Nets and a 2026 first round pick from the Nets. And then finally, a 2027 pick swap from the Nets. So those pick swaps, I'm pretty sure they're just switching the picks that they get. And then Houston, they only sent out, well, I mean, I say only, but they sent out James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets and a 2023 second round pick to the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, they went to the Pacers. So the Rockets from this pick, they got all the draft picks they traded away when they tried to when they acquired Russell Westbrook. They got all those back like they replenished that stash of picks like they used. And they also got an all-star caliber player in Victor Oladipo. I know he he's been dealing with injuries in the past seasons, but he can be he can ball when he's healthy. So, yeah. And now for the Brooklyn Nets, uh they got they only got James Harden from Houston, which I mean, it's great because James Harden's that like high caliber player that's gonna he's gonna put up buckets for your team. He's gonna get points. So, I mean, the, the Nets are easily favored for the East now. I think I I really don't know who is gonna challenge them if they start clicking right. Like, I I am I I could give them this year though. I don't know if they will win a championship this first year because I mean, I mean they have those expectations. I'm sure. But let's not forget when LeBron went from the Cavaliers to the Heat, they didn't win that first year. They lost to the the Mavs. I know the Mavs were a lower seed in that playoffs. I forget the exact year and everything. I'm blanking off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, so I don't think it might not work out for the Nets right away. So this is what the Nets gave up in this trade. And it's it's a long list, like what the Rockets got. So they gave out Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Teron Prince. Radion's Kurucks, they did, gave out a 2021 pick swap, a 2022 first round pick, 2023 pick swap, and like a bunch of other picks. You get the idea. They gave they gave up a boatload to get James Harden on their team, and we'll see if it works out. I mean, so far they're doing all right. I'll touch on their standings later. I'm just pulling it up right now. They're nine and seven. They got the fifth seed in the East. They, there's time for them to get better, and they they could go. I could see them being the one seed by the end of the season, but I don't know. I don't know if it'll happen. So now we got the Indiana Pacers, what they got. They got Karis LeVert from the Nets and then the 2023 second round pick from the Rockets. And then they sent out Victor Oladipo and a 2024 second round pick, which they got from the Cavaliers. Or no, they yeah, they got it from the Cavaliers. Okay. Now the so this is the the Pacers became the fourth t- team in that transaction, and it was something like that nobody saw coming. I don't think they saw them getting rid of Victor Oladipo. I mean, I, it makes sense that they tried to flip him because he's going to be a free agent. But I, I don't know. I was kind of surprised by that move. But so, but it does help because they got they got Karis LeVert, and he's under a longer term contract. So and it's like more manageable. Victor Oladipo he. His contract was more money, so it doesn't let you go out and get more people. So the fact that he's only got one year left and then his contract expire is very like I don't feel like a lot of teams want to take that on, but I guess Houston has Houston has a plan now. So I don't know. I'm just gonna see what happens with that. And then the Cleveland Cavaliers. They got Jared Allen and Teron Prince from the Nets. So 
but they gave up Dante Exum, a 2022 first round pick from the Bucks, and a 2024 second round pick that was their own. The Cavaliers were, I would say, they were like the, you could call them the the sneaky winners. Yeah, I agree with that. This is I'm looking at an article from SlamOnline.com, so that's where I'm getting this. And so they were the sneaky winners in this trade because they got Jared Allen and Teron Prince. Jared Allen, he can be their guy going forward, like their big man going forward, their young center, because Andre Drummond, he's in the final year of his deal in Cleveland. So I'm not sure if he's going to want to stick around with the Cavs. So now that they have Jared Allen, who will be there for a while, that helps them a lot. And so, like, I mean, after the trade was made, and, like, we just saw the first couple of games, it was just, it was KD and Harden, and the Nets, they already seem much better, and Kyrie, he wasn't even playing yet. He's been on his extended absence. He's dealing with things, like, I get it. Everyone has things that go on in life, but sometimes you just got to step up and do what's, you just got to do what you're you're supposed to do. So the question now becomes, what are the Nets going to do with Kyrie? Are they going to try and keep him and see if it works out? That big three in Brooklyn, I think it, it has the potential. Like, I mean, Kyrie clearly is one of the top point guards. He was one of the top point guards in the league. I mean, this past year he hasn't played. This season he hasn't played a lot. And last season he only played, I think, like not even 40 games, if I'm recalling rightly. So that's, like, not great. Like, I, I could see the Nets trying to get rid of him, but I'm not even sure who would want Kyrie. Who Like, who wants to deal with the drama he brings to the locker room? I mean, I think he's an excellent player, and I'm sure there's going to be someone out. There's going to be one team out there where either the coach or the owner's like, "Yeah, I want to give a try on this man," because Kyrie is certainly a talent, and it's a shame what's happened. And I think, I think he could he could turn around, and I would like to see him turn around. It would be weird seeing that that championship in Cleveland with the Cavs. That would be weird if that's his only championship. I I would like to see Kyrie get more to be considered one of the top point cards. So, and then another article that came out of this, this was on the 19th of January, according to ESPN.com. So, Karis LeVert says the trade to the Indiana Pacers, it could have possibly possibly saved his life because there was a mask that was found on his kidney. I mean, that's crazy to think, like, he was getting ready to play, like, he did play in the net, with the Nets, and, like, he... They never found that mass. It's kind of strange to me. You think that the teams would want to care for their players as much as they could and make sure everything's right. I mean, obviously there was no sign showing there was something wrong, so I I, I kind of understand why the Nets didn't find this mass. But I, it's, it's kind of – I just like that how it worked out because that's crucial. Like, no one wants to see someone get hurt like that. Like, it would be crazy if he, like, collapsed during a game or something. I, I would not want to see that. And yeah, so and uh, his story, Lavert's story, isn't like the best. Like he's overcome a lot of obstacles in his young life, so I kind of sympathize for him. So when he was 15, his father died from heart failure at age 46, and then his he and his younger brother discovered his father in the home. So that's that must be crazy walking in on someone like that. I like I would never want to have wish that on anyone. And then his mother has multiple cirrhosis. I'm probably not even pronouncing that right. But, yeah, so that's not even good. It's, like, definitely it's a difficult situation, but I'm glad he's, you know, using basketball to distract himself from all these things going on. And, yeah, so he was 
originally selected with the 20th overall pick by the Pacers in the 2016 NBA draft before being traded to the Nets, where he spent the next five seasons, which now when he was traded back to the Pacers. So he right now in this season, in just 12 games, he's averaging 18.5 points and six assists, as well as 4.3 rebounds in 27.8 minutes per game. I, I honestly, I think the Pacers got someone here. Like they got, they got. So this will be good. And then they also got Sabonis, another big man who's been he's been lights out. I mean, he's like kind of flying under the radar on that team. But Sabonis is a good player. I, I would say Victor Oladipo, but you know he's not there now. He's with the Rockets. So I'm gonna see if I can pull up who else is on their roster because I don't really know Sabonis. They got that one guy, Miles Turner. I'm pretty sure he's out because of injury. Okay, so they got Brog, Michael Brogdon, Sabonis. Well, Oladipo got traded. I don't know why this isn't updated. Uh, McDermott, he can shoot. They got Holiday. I believe Justin Holiday, not Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is on the Bucks. That's. That's another sign. I'm like, wow, that's good. I, I missed Drew Holiday when he was on the Sixers. I missed that point guard. But then they, they wanted to go with Michael Carter-Williams, and that didn't work out. And we were at this whole mess now. But I think they, they the Sixers seem to have their point guard in Ben Simmons, even though he's more like the small forward. But he does facilitate the ball. I think he needs to step up with his scoring. But we're going we're gonna to get to, into that in just a bit. So oh, look at that. our next topic in basketball is going to be – my Philadelphia 76ers and their issues, and I guess you could say their successes because they are first seed in the East at 10-5, and five, and they are incredibly 8-1 and one at home. That's crazy. They've only lost once at home, and that's, like, unheard of now. Like, and then, but we'll, so, oh, the issues I think they're having right now is, like, I thought they had better depth. Like they do have when Embiid is playing and everyone's playing. Like yeah, they do have depth. They got a, they got a decent bench. Like I like having like Seth Curry. I think pretty sure he's a starter now though. They got Seth Curry, Danny Green. They got um, who else is it? Mike Scott coming off the bench. I think. Why am I blank? Shake Milton, who's definitely stepped it up for the Sixers. There's no doubt about that. Shake Milton has been doing a lot for the Sixers recently, and he is stepping into that sixth man role, in my opinion. So, oh, sorry. And then after that, the other thing I want to talk about is, so, like, what's up with this? It seems like after the Sixers play the Nets for the first time is when they started going downhill. Like, the people were missing games due to COVID and everything. It's like, wow, so are the Nets just spreading COVID to everyone? I was like, dude, I did some research on this, and it's like, after after playing the Nets, teams usually had players miss the game due to COVID. So that's kind of crazy how this is happening, and I'm surprised nothing has been said. Maybe something will be said at some point, but we're going to have to wait and see about that. So, and then another thing that I think the Sixers need to do is they, I don't know. I understand they don't want to give up on Ben Simmons because they drafted him number one overall, and that would be, they were like, oh, well, they gave up on Fultz. They traded him away. So that, that obviously that number one pick was a bust. And I think they're hesitant to get rid of Ben Simmons because they don't want to admit they made a mistake. I'm not going to say they made a mistake. I mean, you might feel my opinions that way, but 
they are first place in the East, but I, I don't know. If this is if I am the GM of the Sixers, this is what I would do though. I would trade Ben Simmons. Well, no. Well, yeah, I would trade Ben Simmons, but like first call Washington and see if they're willing to trade Bar- Bradley Beal cuz that man needs off of Washington like he does everything for that team. They're 3 and 8. They're most likely not going to make the playoffs. I don't see them turning around. And like yeah, I I just feel bad for Bradley Beal. I'm it's kind of he puts up buckets and I could see him that kind of score is what the Sixers need. They like like back when they had Allen Iverson, like he was their guaranteed bucket. So now I'm not really sure who their guaranteed bucket is. Like, uh, like I will be like, oh, maybe Joel Embiid, but like he misses a couple games here and there because of the injuries, his injury history. So I don't really, I don't know. I think they need to get a guy like Bradley Beal, and I would, I'm all for it. If I'm, if I'm the GM of the Sixers, um, Maury, I'm calling, I'm calling Washington to see what they want to do. So. So then, yeah, so Ben Simmons, let's talk about that. Let's see how he's doing right now. Why? Sorry, one second. Technical difficulties. No. Okay, there we go. All right, so Ben Simmons. 12.2 points per game. I don't know. I, I mean, like... That is just not good. I, ben Simmons needs to be the, in the top three in scoring on this team, and he's he's fifth right now. I'm not exactly happy about that. Yeah, he's he gets 9.2 rebounds a game, 8.0 assists a game. He gets you know averages 1.5 steals a game and 0.9 blocks a game, but he's also averaging 4.1 turnovers a game. I, as if you if he's supposed to be the true point guard, you shouldn't be turning the ball over a ridiculous amount of times like he is. And I I just I don't know I'm I'm okay with getting rid of him because I mean Bradley Beal I'm sure Bradley Beal will handle the ball and I'm sure he can facilitate. But I know he's more he scores a lot, but the Sixers also have Shake Milton who's been doing decently well. He where is it right now? He has. He's averaging 16.8 points per game, and I mean that's that's more than Simmons, but he's not averaging the assists. So I think he needs to work on distributing the ball a little more. I know he's a shooting guard, but if he's going to be our the backup point guard, or wait, no, we have Maxi. That's right, Tyrese Maxi. They drafted him this year. He's doing all right. He doesn't. It doesn't seem like he plays too much. 7.1 points per game. Okay, he averages 19.1 minutes a game. It's all right, but he only is he only has averages one point three assists per game. So obviously he's not getting the meaningful minutes to like be that facilitator. So I don't know. The the Sixers got they got some issues, but I mean, hey, I can't complain. Ten and five first in the East. So yeah. And then all right, the next article I got that I want to talk about, speak on, if you will, is the Portland Trailblazers. Yusuf Nurkic, he has wrist he had wrist surgery and he's out at least six weeks. So the Portland Trailblazers center, he had surgery on his fractured wrist, and he's gonna be he's like just gonna be reevaluated in six weeks. And he was injured in the this past Thursday's 111 to 87 loss to the visiting Indiana Pacers. Not yesterday, but last week. 
And yeah, he could be like he was seen holding his wrist after swiping at the ball in the third quarter, and he even fell to the floor after contact under Indiana's basket. And then during a timeout, he went to the locker room and he did not return. So, so far this season, he's averaging 10.3 points, 7.6 rebounds. I mean, he's not – the rebounds is what they're, the Portland Trailblazers are going to miss. But, I mean, I think they'll be able to do it. They'll still be able to compete. So then the other things going on. Okay, one sec. So let's look around what's going on in the league right now. So Bradley Beal, look at that. First in points per game, 34.9. Who's next? Kevin Durant from the Nets, 31.2 points per game. And then Stephen Curry's in third with 28.2. I, I, Stephen Curry makes sense because who do the Warriors have with Clay out? I mean, I, I don't know. That, that really hurt them that Clay's out. Clay is their n- number two option there. And uh, now Steph's got to do it all. I mean, yeah, they got, they got, I'm pretty sure they got Wiggins, but like, I don't know. He's not performing as well. And then we got Damian Lillard with 28.1. Get that. He's he's always scores. He's a dominant ball-scoring point guard. And then Zach Levine with 27.4. In rebounds, Andre Drummond is averaging 15.1 rebounds a game. That's crazy. He's going to – if he stays leading the league in rebounds per game, and he's – like, if he averages 15 points a game, like, he's going to get a huge pay – he's going to get a huge payday after this season. Oh, and assists. I see Jokic doesn't have the lead anymore. He he was the, he's a center and he was in the lead for assists per game. But now Russell Westbrook holds that with 11.3 and his old teammate James Harden is right behind him with 11 assists a game. So then Jokic is down to 10. So we'll see if he can bring it up or not. But yeah, and then for, for blocks, this is on the defensive side. Now, Miles Turner, he's averaging 4.2. And Rudy Gobert, he's at 2.8. So there's not real, they're not really that close there. So Miles Turner's on another level, but I'm pretty sure he's out as of right now. Let's see if I can pull that up. And then for steals, Cody Zeller is averaging three a game, while Larry Nance Jr. is averaging 2.5. And then Kawhi Leonard, the claw, has 2.1 steals per game so far. And leading the league in minutes, to no surprise to me, is James Harden at 38.3. We know he likes to – he just likes to take control of everything, and that's, like, what he does. And Sabonis is in second, 37.8. My under-the-radar guy right there. He's obviously getting usage, and it's working out. And then Colin Sexton from the Cavaliers. I mean, I don't really watch much of the Cavaliers, but he's he's a great player. And, yeah, he's right there. And look at that. Isaac Okoro – is in fourth with 37.4. And then Russell Westbrook is averaging 37.1 minutes per game. And Isaac O'Rourke is, or or Coro, you know, yeah, not O'Rourke. Or Coro is on the Cleveland Cavaliers as of right now. And then, so let's look at who's going, what's going on here right now. So we're going to look at the, Look at all who's who's hot right now, points per game wise. So look at that. Number one, this is according to NBA.com. Tyrese Maxey, guard for the Philadelphia 76ers. In his last five games, he is averaging 20.2 points. That's crazy. So if he can do that constantly, I just need to see him 
I just need to see him start dishing out some more assists. And then, like, let's go, man. Let's get you in that lineup. Let's get Ben Simmons out of there. But we'll see. And second, Juancho Hernan, Go Hernan Gomez from the Minnesota. He's a forward from Minnesota Timberwolves. He's averaging 10.8 points per game. So almost a 10-point difference between Maxi and Hernan Gomez. So that's, that's pretty crazy. All right, rebounds per game. I'm kind of surprised by this. LaMelo Ball in his last five games, is averaging 9.8 rebounds per game. That's kind of crazy. Like, I don't really see him as being a rebound guy. I mean, I know he's kind of, he's built up his body and whatnot, and he's got some more muscles now and whatnot, but I just, I don't know. I don't see him, like, being a big rebound guy. I would see him more. Oh, and here he is. He's number one in assists per game in the last five games, 8.6. So that's where I see him more, not getting rebounds. But I guess that's what he's going to do. He's going to try and get the triple doubles. Oh, and then... Uh, Another familiar face here. Shake Milton's number five on this. He's averaging 4.8 assists in the last five games. So let me just go look and see if there's anything else from basketball. So, all right. So here we go. Um, there's just some top headlines of right now. So Nets, Kevin Durant, he's going to sit out versus the Cavs to rehab his Achilles. That, that seems precautionary to me. I would agree with that because you don't want to see Kevin Durant rupture tears Achilles and be out for another season that would be terrible and then so I guess Kerr Steve Kerr coach of the Golden State Warriors he said that officials admitted Draymond Green's ejection for yelling at James Wiseman was a mistake okay and refs do make mistakes from time to time I mean I don't know it's it's uh, Draymond Green. I don't really. I don't have too high. I don't really. He doesn't got high standards in my book. I don't really see view him with integrity. I mean, he's a good player. I'll give him that. So that about does it for what I got for basketball. It's four thirty here. You're listening to the Divide on ninety point three WESS, East Strasburg University, East Strasburg, Pennsylvania. I'm gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna transition to the. NFL. So I'm going to play a quick song and we shall be back. One sec. Okay. Here comes the. Here comes the. Here comes the. Y'all don't really want it like So I keep big bills up in my heart on the dirty like blood so ain't got no twist in my head, but I'm still dreadful and I got plenty of bread, so I go to bed full of in it to win it to win it. I'm all in. I might call you my cousin, young blood, but we ain't kidding. Oh, you think of jumping, man, you best think again. The dirty, I'm the type of man that might go broke for revenge. Had some not so nice friends, kick the dough off the hinge, take the dough off your bed. Fans, man, please. 
some football one second there we go all right so you're listening to the divide on 90.3 wess east strasburg university east strasburg pennsylvania this is dj coltrane here and now we're going to talk some nfl we're going to start with going over the divisional round of the playoffs and we'll start with the first game from that weekend the packers versus the los angeles rams green bay packers of course wisconsin and then, so this game ended up being 32 to 18 Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, he looked phenomenal. He had two touchdown passes and he also ran for a score. And yeah, so now they're going to have this is going to be their first championship game at home since 2007 when the Packers lost to my New York Giants. That was a great moment, but years ago. So Gotta move on. All right, so, yeah, so, 
what was it? Rodgers in that game, he went 23 of 36 for 296 yards. And from he had two touchdown passes. One was the one-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Adams. And then pretty much, what, in my opinion, the game-clinching 58-yarder to Alan Lazard with 6.52 left in the game. And he also had a run-touchdown yard run. And he became the first Packers quarterback in a playoff game at Lambeau Field since Bart Starr's winning sneak in the Ice Bowl against Dallas on December 31st, 1967. So he was the first one, the first, like, Packers quarterback. Um, He's the first uh, Packers quarterback to do that at Lambeau, have a running touchdown and a passing touchdown at Lambeau Field. That was, that was great. So now they'll play the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game, but we're going to get to that then. So... I don't know. It just it wasn't going it wasn't going well for the Rams. I mean, I thought I thought this was going to be a great game. I thought it was going to be the best game from the whole weekend, in my opinion, because like number one offense versus the number one defense. Who doesn't want to see that? Like, I want to see a lot of Aaron Donald in Aaron Rodgers' face, but that didn't happen because he was dealing with an injury, which I'll get to in a bit. Or wait, let me see if it's right here. Yeah, it's right here. So, um, oh no, it doesn't. Why does it not say Rams playing? Okay, so Donald was limited. Okay, so here it is. All right, so he had a rib injury that knocked him out of the playoff victory in Seattle, and he just wasn't himself the whole game. He only had one assist the whole game. He didn't even get a solo tackle all game. So that's something was clearly off with him because he's he's just such a disruptive force, and he wasn't doing it that game. And that's a big reason I think the Packers came out on top the way they did. I mean – and the game wasn't over until there was 6.52 left in the fourth. Like, the Rams had chances in this game, and they just didn't make it happen. So, this will be the Packers. Um, this is the fourth time in seven seasons that they've got to the NFC Championship game. Which is pretty crazy that they've been there that much. It just shows how good of a team they are. If you're in the NFC Championship more than half the time, and that's that's pretty good, and I don't see so. Where is it? So, so the one surprise I had the the Packers they didn't allow any sacks the whole game to the number one defense in the Rams. That's that's crazy, and they were playing without their injured All Pro left tackle David Bakhtiari. I'm probably butchering that name. My friend Joe he probably knows that. He would be like, oh, oh right here, right now. You'd have it for me, but. Don't got them on here with me. So if you like that. So Green Bay, though, they had they sacked, they were able to sack Jared Goff four times. So you think the narrative there would have been flipped. You think the Rams would have been able to sack Aaron Rodgers four times and that the Green Bay wouldn't have been able to sack Jared Goff, but they were. So that's that's crazy. And then so speaking of Jared Goff, he went 21 for 27 with 174 yards. And a touchdown, and this is less than three weeks after undergoing thumb surgery. Cam Akers in this game, he rushed for 90 yards and a touchdown. And, like, oh, so on that touchdown where he got in, he just took the direct snap, and he just went right up for seven yards, and he scored. And then the very next play, they tried this cool trick play where they passed it over to the wide receiver, and then the uh, Van Jefferson, he caught, he caught the pass from Goff. And then he lateraled it to Akers, who, like, just went right into the end zone. He, like, so Van Jefferson, he pretty much did 
he set up a pick by catching the ball and then laddering all back. He was in the way of who was trailing Acres and would have made the tackle. So I like that pick. That was good. I like the strategy there, and I like the design of the play. So now this is another telling reason the Packers took this game, in my opinion. They scored on each of their first five series. When you can come out and you can score on your first five possessions, I mean, you might not always win, but I'm going to say 75% of the time you're going to win if you score on the first five possessions. I might be a little high, but that's just what I'm going off in my head right now. So then was it was midway through the third quarter they actually the Rams were able to stop the Packers and force a punt and then they capitalized they came up and they, Akers he scored with that seven yard run and it went to and they got the two point conversion as I said so it's 25-18 now so it's a one score game so like the, the game's still still in reach and they have a full quarter and some change left and they made they just made mistakes and that just just what it was. They they were able to after they cut it to twenty five to eighteen. They were able to force a punt and they got their the ball back at their own six. But a sack from Kenny Clark it, it stalled that drive. So that ruined the Rams' chances. And then it was, so it didn't look great. Like they thought that was their according to Sean McVay that was their chance to get back in the game, and they they didn't. But then, A.J. Dillon, when the Packers get the ball back, he fumbled the ball in the ensuing series, although Rodgers recovered at 31 and advanced to three yards. And then three plays later, Rodgers with the dagger, he hits Alan Lazard and for the 56-yard touch. Or no, was it 56? Yeah. One second. I don't know. Oh. Sorry. Wrong computer. Okay, so Alan Lazard, 58-yard pass from Aaron Rodgers. So that was the dagger right there. And then, as I said, Aaron Donald was limited. I feel bad. The Rams were without Cooper Cup, their top wide receiver. So maybe we could cut them some slack. But, I mean, you got to be – when someone's hurt, it's next man up in the NFL. And I didn't see the Rams do that as well. So the Packers are primed to win this game in the NFC Championship when they are going to play the Buccaneers. Well, I'll talk about that when I preview that game later. So we'll see what happens. So on to the next game. That happened that this past Saturday. The Bills played the Ravens, and they won that game 17-3. to And The Bills are now going to their their first AFC Championship game, game since, when was it? I forget how many years. Their first AFC Championship game for the first time since 1994. 1994. 26 years. Crazy. So... This game, it was supposed to be the showdown between Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, but obviously that didn't happen because the Ravens, they only got three points. Lamar Jackson was just unable to do anything in that game, and it, it was it was sad. He even left with an injury. So here, I'll go over the scoring. So in the first quarter, the only points put on the board were three by the Buffalo Bills on a Tyler Bass 28-yard field goal. Then in the second quarter, the Ravens responded with their own field goal. It was a 34-yard field goal from Justin Tucker. But the odd thing was, both kickers really struggled in this game. Justin Tucker, he missed two kicks. And I'm pretty sure Tyler Bass also missed two kicks. Yeah, 
Tyler Bass missed two of three field goal attempts. He missed a 43-yarder that was wide right in the second quarter and a 44-yarder that sailed wide left with 5.30 remaining. So, I mean, it, if the Ravens scored more, then that could have been the difference. But so Justin Tucker, he's the NFL's most accurate kicker. He hit the left upright from 41 yards and the right upright from 46 yards. I mean, at least he hit the field goal post, but, I mean, come on, man. He's, like, he missed his first two attempts before hitting that 34-yard attempt in the second quarter. So it was the first time he missed twice from inside 50 yards in the same game. He's never done that in his career. That just shows how much of a guarantee it is that he's going to get you a field goal, and he missed two. Crazy. So then the third quarter is when the Bills they pulled away. So after the halftime, it was tied 3-3. Third quarter, so Stephon Diggs, he gets a three-yard touchdown pass from Josh Allen. I mean, I was kind of expecting Diggs to be more involved in this game. Let me pull up his one sec. Okay. Stats. Let me see. Okay. Stephon Diggs. One, eight receptions, 106 yards. One touchdown. Yeah, the reception, his long reception was 20 yards, and he had 11 total targets. I mean, that's good. They they spread the ball around a little more. I thought if he wants to be like the true number one, I mean, that is number one numbers, but he, you think he would want to command more from that, but I mean, he did well. He had a good game. That's not, I'm not going to say he didn't have a good game. He had a good game. But I thought he would be a little more involved than he was. So, and then after that, the other score was a pick six the Bills defense had. Sorry, things aren't loading as well. So, Teron Johnson, he had a 101-yard interception return in the third quarter with 41 seconds left. That, That just put the game away right there. And like it just showed like what like how great like he that was just something to see. I didn't watch that game live, but I saw the highlights. And I was I was impressed. He there was a quote from him saying like he thought about just going down after making the interception in the end zone, you know, get the touch step back, but he, he quickly looked up and you saw nothing but green in front of him. So he knew he had one man to beat, Lamar Jackson. So he decided to take the chance and good thing he did because he made the score and that that potentially sealed the game for them there. So Trying to see. So, Johnson, Teron Johnson's return, it matched the longest in NFL history and it punctuated a stellar defensive outing in which Buffalo limited the NFL's top running offense to 150 yards, just 150 yards on 32 carries. Lamar Jackson, he was sacked three times and he did not return after sustaining a concussion following the final play of the third quarter. I mean, it was. It was a tough thing to see. I mean, I'm sure all Ravens fans were like, you know, holding their breath after they saw him go down. So, Lamar, he finished 14 of 24 for 162 passing yards while he only had 42 yards rushing on nine carries. So, just 204 yards total offense. It's not great. So, Josh Allen, on the other hand, he finished 23 of 37 for 206 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah. Mostly kept in check. So, what else? Okay, so, well, I mostly dynamic. So, like, this was the from this game, the one surprise, I guess the. Usually, the Bills are led by their high scoring offense. And in this game, it was their defense that stepped up for them and it was able to save the game 
for them and keep them in their chance. And now they're at their first AFC championship since 1994. And now, so with this win, the Bills have won eight straight, and this matches their best streak since 1990. And they're going to play the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. That's going to be a great game. So now the the Ravens are obviously heading home because they lost. And this is their second season where they led the NFL in yards rushing. So that's that's kind of crazy that they're doing that. But, I mean, it is what it is. And it shows that you can't just win with an offense. You need to have a defense there and whatnot. So, um, so the Baltimore story, like, they were able to clinch a playoff berth. It's their third playoff berth in three years by winning – their final five regular season games of the regular season. And that's just what helped me. So it was like a battle of the streaks here. Like, you know, six games versus seven games because the Bills were on a seven-game win streak. Now they're on an eight-game win streak. So, yeah. And then... Where is it? Okay. Um, yeah, so I guess that's about it for that one. We're going to go over... Next, let's go over the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Cleveland Browns. It was 22 to 17 Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I'm not really surprised about the outcome of this game. I if I'm just going with what I would want to see and what I want to see is not like my professional opinion obviously. It would have been nice to see the Browns win. They they haven't had the best best uh track record the past few years. So, now let's see them get to it, but I mean, yeah, so what else is what else is um let's go over the scoring for this game. Okay. So the game started with a one yard touchdown run by Patrick Mahomes and he then just threw the ball like into the upper deck. That was crazy. So he was he was obviously pumped up, ready to go in that game. But then Harrison Butker, he missed the extra point. So there goes that. So it's just six nothing at that point. And then Cody Parkey, he made a forty-six yard field goal in the first quarter with two forty-one remaining. In the second quarter, this is where the Chiefs. It was all Chiefs in the second quarter. So Travis Kelsey, with thirteen forty-eight in the second quarter, he scored a he from a twenty-yard pass from Patrick Mahomes. He scored, and Bucker made this extra point. And then Bucker went to go on to make two more field goals before the end of the half. And now it is 19-3, to Kansas City. And the third quarter comes out. When the third quarter comes out, the, the Browns, they started, they did all right. They scored first in the third quarter. Jarvis Landy caught a four-yard pass from Baker Mayfield. And then Cody Parkey made the extra kick. So now it's 19-10, to Kansas City. Cleveland's making their comeback. But then Harrison Bucker, he made a 33-yard field goal, making it 22-10. to So... Now on to the fourth quarter. With 11.07 remaining in the fourth quarter, Kareem Hunt scored on a three-yard run against his old team, and then Cody Parkey made the extra point attempt. So it is now just a five-point game with 11.07 remaining. And, yeah, it, it could have went well. So, But they weren't able to do that. Patrick Mahomes, he suffers a concussion, has to leave the game, and now Chad Henney's in. So, like... Honestly, I never knew who Chad Henning was until this point. So he, but they they still won with the backup quarterback. They were still able to hold off the Cleveland Browns and Kansas City's defense 
was able to step up and keep the Browns in check. I mean, yeah, they almost blew it, but it was it was all right. And then they made it out alive. They're on to the next one. So let's talk about the heroics in this game. So that thirty-five year old backup, Chad Henne, he he like showed that he wanted to win. He showed he was ready to play when he had a thirteen yard third down scramble to try and go for the first down. Like he didn't try and slide at the end of that play. He went with the intent, like, I'm getting this first down. Like you're either gonna actually stop me, but I'm not giving myself up. And he ended up being short, fourth and in inches. Andy Reid Instead of punting it, he had, he had, he said he had no desire to punt it on that play, so he was gonna go for it no matter what. He does a little dump pass off to Tyree Kill on the right, like he just really quick, and they get the first down on fourth down, and that that right there seals the game because now there's just a minute left, and they can go victory formation, QB kneel, and game over. So I know Mahomes; he's now cleared from concussion protocol. And he's ready to play Sunday. So it's good that he'll be back because I think the Chiefs will need him against the Buffalo Bills because, let's be, let's be honest, the Bills have a, a better quarterback than the Browns who's going to lead them down the field. And I mean, that's just how I feel. Josh Allen's been playing stellar this season, and he's an MVP candidate. So the stats. I'm oh, sorry. I keep grabbing the wrong thing. Um, There we go. Okay. Baker Mayfield had 204 yards on 37 attempts. He completed 23 of those passes. He had one touchdown, but he also had an interception. Mahomes was 21 of 30, 255 yards. He had one touchdown, but zero interceptions. So, like, he didn't even play the full game. He already had more passing yards than Baker Mayfield. But it is what it is. All right. And then the... Chiefs were also with were out without Edwards Hilaire in this game. They're running their rookie running back. He was out because let me see. Why is it not showing? He was out because his ankle. Because he he only returned to the practice this week for the first time since mid-December. So he's been out for a while. So like they, they didn't want to take the chance. I understand that. They got Le'Veon Bell. For Christ's sakes, they could just use him. Like I think he would be more of a weapon. I'm surprised he wasn't as involved as I thought he would be. Maybe that's because, like, I mean, yeah, he isn't the same player he was when he was with the Steelers. But I don't know. I think I think he could easily turn it around. So now I just got one more one more game to talk about: Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay Buccaneers won this game. 30 to 20. So, the first quarter, all Saints, but they just got two field goals. With 11.30 left in the first, Will Lutz makes a 23 yard field goal. And then with 4.39 left in that quarter, he made a 42 yard field goal. The, but then the second quarter, the Bucks started, they started to get going. So, Ryan Suckup, he made a 26 yard field goal. And. With 12.57 left in the second quarter. But then he also had... But then there was also, with 11.16 left, Mike Evans, he had a three-yard... He got a three-yard pass from Tom Brady for a touchdown, and Ryan Suckup made the extra point. That made it, at that point, 10-6 to Tampa Bay. But New Orleans came back, 
and they answered. Traquan Smith, he, he caught a 56-yard pass from Jameis Winston, the backup. You think J- Drew Brees would be throwing the long balls here, but, I mean, he is a little older, but that's crazy. Jameis Winston, the guy who had over 30 picks last year, threw a 56-yard bomb. The longest pass of the game, too, I'm pretty sure. Crazy. Like I, and it's against his old team. How crazy is that? I mean, you can't make that stuff up. So then with that touchdown, it's now 13 to 10, the Saints. But then before the end of the half, as time expires for the half, Ryan Suckup made a 37-yard field goal. So now we're going into halftime, 13-13, completely new game. Like you could throw out what happened in the first half if you really want to. Like it's start over now, 0-0 for the second half. So out of the half, there you go. Traquan Smith again caught a 16-yard pass from Drew Brees. And Will Lutz made the extra point. So now it's 20 to 13 Saints with 9.43 left in the third quarter. Then, with 2.22 left in the third, Leonard Fournette scored on a six yard pass from Tom Brady, and Ryan Suckup made the extra point. So now tied again, 20 20. So the fourth quarter is coming. This is like game time now. This is crunch time. Fourth quarter is crunch time. So in the fourth quarter, it was all, it was all Buccaneers. Ryan Suckup made a 36-yard field goal with 9.52 left in the fourth quarter, making it 23-20. to I mean, that technically, because the Saints didn't score again, that, right there, that's game over. But, it, you know, it was nice that then Tom Brady, with 4.57 left, he had a one-yard run, QB sneak, right in, and third yard. So now it's 30-20, to Tampa Bay. And that was the game, and that... So now Tom Brady is going to go to his he's going to go to his first NFC championship. He might be able to get to his 10th Super Bowl. I don't know if he's going to be the Packers. I really don't give you my opinion right now. I don't think they're going to be stop the Packers. The Packers are really nice right now and their defense is starting to click. If the Packers defense can't hold Brady in check at least for 50% of the game then they might have a problem. I don't I don't know. I don't the Packers can't just rely on their offense in this game. Their defense needs to make some stops, in my opinion. But, all right, so let's look at the stats from the Buccaneers and the Saints. So, Tom Brady won 18 for 33. He only had 199 yards passing, but he had two touchdowns. Drew Brees, 19 of 34, wasn't, was not, that's not like like him at all. 134 yards, he had one touchdown and three interceptions. I, don't, I can't remember the last time. I saw Drew Brees throw interceptions. I'm sure it's happened, but I just can't recall. So he had a QBR of just 31.7 in that game and a rating of 38.1. That's crazy. I, I, I mean, I know he's he's their guy. They didn't want to give up on him. They wanted him to do well. But, like, I mean, in a playoff game, I feel like when you start, when you make one mistake, it's like, all right. Two mistakes, like, then you kind of have a problem. I'd be like, you're on a short lease. But, like, after those three mistakes, I don't know. I think something should have. Maybe Jameis Winston should have been in the game more. I don't know. I mean, he, I don't know. That probably would have been a bad day. He might have ended up with more picks than Drew Brees, but who knows. So, Leonard Fournette, he had 17 carries for 63 yards, and Alvin Kamara had 18 carries for 85 yards. And out of receiving, Cameron Burr. Brate had four receptions for 50 yards for the Buccaneers, and Traquan Smith, three receptions for 85 yards, but he had two touchdowns. Crazy. 
So two touchdowns on three receptions. Crazy. All right, so I'm running out of time here. So I'm just going to give you – we're going to go with my predictions for – or no, I'll go with my articles first. So on the 20th of January, Philip Rivers, he announced that he's going to retire after 17 years in the NFL. I mean, he had a decent career. I'm not going to say great or fantastic because he never won a Super Bowl. I mean – so it's a team sports, but I mean, it would be nice to see you have a championship, in my opinion. That's, but I don't know. I he looked happy when he when I saw his conference, and I think he he took a high school coaching position. Like you said, he had two dreams in life: play in the NFL as a quarterback, which he did. He's done. He's retired now, and he also wanted to coach a high school football. He be a high school football coach, and he's going to do that now. I can't recall the high school off the top of my head, but he wants he's he did get hired, and he's going to do that. So that's great. And then on 120, Jeremy Fowler reported that NFL front office personnel are in a unanimous agreement that Deshaun Watson is worth three first-round picks. So you're going to give up a lot if you want to trade for Deshaun Watson. who's He's unhappy in Houston, for those of you who don't know, if you haven't really been paying attention to the NFL. But he's unhappy. Like, clearly the team isn't built for him, and he's not getting anywhere. Like, it's just wasting his career. He he could do a lot better on a different team. And I wonder, I'm not exactly sure what team that'll be. You know, there's speculation in Miami. I know my friend Nick Federico from Breakdown, they were talking yesterday. He, he was saying the Jets would be a potential thing. He, so, I mean, for for him, I'm saying, yeah, let's see. I'll, I'll see Deshaun watching on the Jets. Either that or if he doesn't go to the Jets, he better go to the Giants. One of those teams. So, at least we're ha- one of us is happy. But we'll see. I I mean, yeah, everyone was saying, like, yeah, he's because he's a top-five QB. He's definitely worth those three first-round picks. I'm just a little hesitant because those first-round picks are your future. Like, if you if you aren't going to have a first-round pick for three years, like, that kind of hurts. I mean, yeah, I know you got the later rounds, but, like, I don't know. Like, those first-round picks can be so crucial. Like, uh, I don't know. Max, I'd give up two first-round picks. I'd give up some players, maybe, like, Maybe a second round pick if I got it, but like, and I'm not doing them on consecutive years. I'm not going three years if I'm a GM. I'm not going three years in the NFL without having a first round pick. I just don't. I don't like that. I mean, yeah, he is. That would solve a big issue if you have a Deshaun Watson as your QB and you know he's the guy, and then you can look at other pieces. But I don't know. So on top of this, so Deshaun Watson, he has a no trade clause. So like. It's a no-win situation for the Texans. Like, who knows? Deshaun Watson is in complete control of where he wants to go. Like, who knows? The Texans probably have gotten offers for Deshaun Watson, but then Watson was like, nah, I don't want to play for that team, and that just ruins it. So now it's back to the drawing board. So really, he's got the balls in Deshaun Watson's court right now. We'll see what he does. So then this is just some other story I kind of found interesting because I'm a Giants fan. So... This is according to Jordan Rannon. So Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. are planning on rehabbing together from their torn Achilles tendons. I I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about this because, I mean, I I used to like Odell Beckham Jr. a lot. I mean, I don't know. After everything that went down after the trade from the Giants and, like, just the falling out and everything and, like, some of the comments I heard him say and whatnot about the organization, I was like, wow, I don't know if I like this guy, but, like, Maybe he was right. I'm I'm not entirely sure. So, but this could be good in my opinion. 
because like now, I mean, they are good friends. They have a good relationship. I mean, if you saw Saquon's first season, like they were him and Odell, I guess you could say a bromance if you want. And now, uh, now they're competitors though. So they're going to, there's obviously they're still friends, but they're competitors now. So I think now that they're competitors, like what if like Saquon's there and he's like, Oh, look at Odell go. And he's recovering really nicely there. I want to do that too. And like that competitive drive will hopefully make them want to like work harder and get back to hundred percent quicker. And then the last thing I had, this was, I'm pretty sure yesterday, 121. Yep. Yesterday, the Steelers signed former Washington football quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, my friend and the station manager, Nick Ortiz. He was saying he likes the signing because he's got a, like a big arm and he can move. Like, I mean, I agree with that, but I'm not, I'm a little hesitant about Ohio State quarterbacks. I don't, they do get a lot of flack and they haven't always panned over in the NFL. Like, I, I don't know why I'm blanking on a couple of names, but we're going to look up some now that, like, they just don't always work out in the NFL. And yeah, I'm just not exactly sure that he's going to be the answer. I don't know if Dwayne Haskins is going to be the answer to, Ben, if Ben Roethlisberger retires or leaves, I think Ben has a season left in him if he really wants. I think he could go another season, maybe, maybe two, if he stays healthy, doesn't get hurt. But I, I, he's near the end. I mean, all the older, older quarterbacks are near the end. I, I'm so shocked Tom Brady's doing it at the age he is. But hey, I mean, he's obviously doing something right. So yeah. Um. All right, I can. So Dwayne Haskins. I felt like there was a guy before him. But, all right, I'm running out of time here. I'll just get organized better next time. All right, so I'll be right back. I'm going to take another quick break, and then we're going to talk about the MLB for a little bit, and then I'm going to play some music, and I'm going to be out here. So here's my one song, and then I'll be right back. just realized I never gave you my prediction for the Super Bowl so I'm gonna say it's gonna be I gotta really think about this because I don't know how I want to say I'm gonna go Green Bay they're gonna win for the NFC and go into the Super Bowl and it's gonna they're gonna end up playing the Chiefs although I would like to see the Bills make it I think the Chiefs are gonna beat the Bills though and then out of that I don't want to see the repeat so I'm gonna go Green Bay is gonna win it all and sorry I didn't go explain on that, but yeah, I don't got the time for it, so I'll be right back.
All right. I'm ending that there because we don't got a lot of time here. All right, so the baseball edition of The Divide on 90.3 WESS, East Strasburg University, East Strasburg, Pennsylvania. I'm not going to go over the full league because I don't got as much time. I'm going to talk about my New York Yankees first. So with the Yankees, so they finally did. They finally signed DJ LeMahieu. Finally. After all this time, they finally did it. They got him for $90 million, but for six years. I mean, that is a steal. I, I'm happy with it because now the Yankees potentially could use all their money for other places, but, I mean, we'll see how it works. That is a huge steal. I was, at the end of last of like this past season, I was like, just hand the man a blank check, let him write any number, and just do it. Get this man signed no matter what because he can play multiple positions. He's a utility infielder. You can play first, second, third, even shortstop. I don't care. Like, you could put him wherever you want him to line up. And he makes all the plays. I mean, he, he has a couple mistakes here and there, but, like, he makes the plays. And you want him on your team. Like, he, his two years with the Yankees, he, back-to-back years, he was, like, an MVP contention. Like, that's crazy. How are you going to let that guy go? But they got him. So, I'm happy. Like, I, if they didn't get him, I, I would have been driving up to the Bronx and I would have – I mean, I'm not sure how successful I would be, but I would have wanted to have some conversation with someone from that organization because, like, how do you let that walk away? I don't understand. I mean, I'm sure at some point something like that's going to happen, but you just can't let that like someone like that go. And then the Yankees also signed Corey Kluber to a one-year, $11 million deal. They got their starting pitcher, but he hasn't he hasn't always played. Like, he hasn't... I'm going to pull up. Like, he hasn't played as much. He's been dealing with injuries. So, like, this is definitely, like, he's got to prove himself. Like I, he, That's why he got this one-year contract. Like, no one is sold on him. Like, I I wouldn't want to give him multiple years because, I mean, what if he gets hurt? Like, he, he doesn't just – he doesn't play as much as I would like him to. If he was playing a full season, then, yeah, it would it would help. But he didn't – he didn't play at all in 2020. That's crazy. So career, let me go. Why is it saying two? Okay, so he only played seven games last season. And no, 2019. He only played seven games in 2019, and only he only made one appearance in 2020. So like, clearly something's up. He's not who they're thinking he should be. And, yeah, but, I mean, I'm looking back, like, 2011, his first year in the league, he only played three games, 8.31 ERA, not great, but it goes down. 2014, it goes down to 2.44. 2015, 3.49. 2016, 3.14. 17, 2.25. 18, 2.89. So he can have consistency. I can see him being a starting pitcher, but he's just dealing with too many things right now. So, But I think – the Yankees really didn't have many options right now. Like they're not I don't know why for a team that like spends so much. They want to spend all their money on their hitters, but like you need pitching to win in the MLB as well. You can't just rely on the hitters. And like the needs for the Yankees, my the biggest like I mean, I want them to resign DJ LeMahieu, but like I don't really see many like hitter needs that they have. I really I mean maybe catcher because Gary Sanchez he like he He's, I don't know, he had a great year, and he had a bad year last year. The year before, he had a great year. Like, I don't know. 
I don't know what's up with him. I don't like that he kneels on one knee when he's catching, but that's another conversation. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm a little concerned, though, what this Kluber signing means. I mean, uh, I mean I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen. But, like, so now Tanaka needs to be resigned if the Yankees want to keep him. Yeah. He has no desire to play anywhere else. So if the Yankees don't re-sign him, he's going to go back to Japan, and that's probably what's going to happen because now the Yankees don't have as much room to offer him the $15 million a year he wants for multiple years. And it's kind of sad. I I don't know. I mean, it might sound like I'm being a homer here, but, like, I mean, I would have rather them re-sign Tanaka than get Corey Kluber. But, I mean, we'll see if it works. I mean, the Yankees got Herman coming back, Severino. So, I mean... Maybe it won't be bad losing Tanaka, but I, I like what Tanaka did for the Yankees. So then other news, the Mets fired their GM, Jared Porter. That was last week. I wish my co-host was here. He could expand on this a lot more than me. He's, he got fired for ex- sending explicit texts and images to a reporter. I mean, that makes sense to me. You make that slip up, you're going to be fired like that. Just nothing. So now... We got this whole mess going down in New York's backup team, the New York Mets. We'll see how that goes. Now, besides that, George Springer, the ex-Astro, he signs with the Blue Jays now. So I'm a little scared about that because, you know, division rival Blue Jays. But we'll see how good he is. I mean, you know, he was with the Astros only cheat. I'm sure he's a good hitter. He's a good fielder. So we'll see. I'm a little scared about that. And then the big news that happened today was that Hank Aaron died at the age of 86. I mean, that, when I saw that, I was like so in shock. When I saw that today, I was like, wow, I did not, know, I did not need to hear that today. I mean, that, what he did for the sport of baseball is crazy. And I mean, I know that everyone's life must come to an end. We're not, you know, here forever, but like, that's, it's kind of sad. Like, shows how time's moving by. And like, it's going to be crazy. Like, people aren't going to. Think of him as much. Yeah, so R.I.P. Hank Aaron. I'm going to go see if there's anything else right here. Otherwise. Ooh. Why? Okay. I'm looking for... There we go. Okay. So the Nats are going to bring back Zimmerman for just $1 million. That's another news right there. On a one-year, $1 million deal... Ryan Zimmerman, oh, that's that's a steal right there. He, you know, he sat out all last season because of the coronavirus, so maybe it makes sense. They're just trying to play it safe. So, and now his future with the Nationals, like it's uncertain because they got Josh Bell to play first base, but we'll see this. Maybe he can have redemption now. But yeah, so that's that's all I got for the divide today. Thank you guys if you tuned in. And you are listening to The Divide. I really appreciate all of you out there that are listening. And I should be back next week. But right now, I got to clean up. And I'm going to just play some music for you. And, yeah, I'll see you hopefully next week. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.
Take it back to the days when the sun wanna shine, but the birds still fly like they used to. And a chick that I love is making me go nuts in my ear saying I don't wanna lose you. Summertime, looking at my phone till it rang, throwing down for my school. It's the homecoming king. I'm coming for prime, man. You know it's our time, man. Do exactly what I say, so who the hell is I, man? I got on vans, my women rocking that Louis Louis. Stop playing, let me hop in that ooey gooey. No JK, shackles out to JJ. Money making jam, boys. Every day's a payday. Enemies getting long, temper is getting shorter. Save it, then I invest it. Break it up in the quarters, and I'm riding with your girl. Headed to the border. Middle aged women introduce me to their daughters, and they bad, but I'm good, cause I'm all about my business. Trying to make a dollar, baby, you know what it is I'ma end it with a smash I just want it to last Making love to my now, getting off to my past Take it back to the days when the sun wanna shine But the birds still fly like they used to And a chick that I love is making me go nuts In my ears saying I don't wanna lose you I gotta It's hard work, you better walk tough Cause me and my dad, see, we don't really talk much But he texts me every time he in Japan Or Brazil or Milan, I respond when I can Dreams crush him and flatten him I spit it back at him, they be asking me back at him But nobody, it's me and my best friend With a lifelong vision, eventually gonna flatten him So they laugh in my face, and it's cash in my safe See, it's actually fake, I'm gonna act with pace And if you down with always being surrounded Women who take shit Till they feel nostalgic Show me somebody truly happy and always in love But well, that's all the above See, I'm calling your bluff Try and bomb your stuff Hit up the mall and get butts Homies be calling me up Hope I don't fall if I jump Take it back to the days when the sun wanna shine But the birds still fly like they used to And a chick that I love is making me glow nuts In my ears saying I don't wanna lose you You can never 